I'm Rosanna, and this is AFL Obsessed. I feel like it's been another frenzied weekend filled with footy news. So I touched on this in the last episode, but we found out that an Essendon player tested positive on the weekend for coronavirus, and it's just been a whirlwind ever since. This testing has been particularly confounding because the results were different each time that he was tested. From a narrower perspective, this is concerning on so many levels, and from a wider perspective, it just doesn't instill much confidence in the testing procedure because he had an anomaly after testing negative for several days, and then they retested and he tested positive, and then the tests following that were negative. First of all, all the health vibes to Connor McKenna. This can't have been easy for him. The test itself isn't a lot of fun, and he's just been poked and prodded for answers at every turn. Plus, he's been through the ringer with media and press. And being in New York City and seeing how severe the virus has been here, my immediate reaction was fear. Fear for him, fear for the team, fear for anyone else who may have been affected. And as much as we have been talking about mental health in sports recently and especially in the AFL and in life, I think there was a bit of a rush to naming, blaming, and speculating everything McKenna has been doing rather than valuing his personal safety and well-being. I mean, the media kind of ran away with a whole doomsday scenario about him and the club, and some of the articles and journal quotes were pretty nasty. And I knew as soon as the news was released, it was going to become a circus on social media. And of course, like, cue the jokes. But then it transitioned to an immediate demand for answers. Like, when will the team be quarantined? How many people will join him? When will the Melbourne game happen again? And should Melbourne just get the points due to Essendon forfeiting the game? Really, the mentality kind of like in show business where the show must go on, like this is disrupting our fixture. So there hasn't been too much more of an update beyond finding that only one other person on the team had close contact and would have to be quarantined alongside McKenna, and that was James Stewart, instead of the previous guess that four to five players would be quarantined also. And now I'm kind of in the space of fluctuating between unease and relief. Relief that he doesn't actually seem to have coronavirus now. Relief that the entire backline of a team wasn't decimated, quote unquote, as suggested. But concerns and unease about moving forward and how this will be handled down the line. And what will happen when another player inevitably tests positive or potentially multiple athletes from different clubs. If I hear agile and flexible one more time. (laughs) Just kidding. I think the collective fear that I saw on social media was that our sport would be taken away again and what would happen if the season was postponed for another month. I mean, I'm as obsessive as the rest of you, but as you guys know, personal player and people safety has always and will be paramount to me. So conclusions, I mean, I don't understand the nuances around the procedures. I'm putting my faith into the DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, and people who are experts. And I'm hoping for the best, which we're all really getting good at being sports fans, right? I mean, we have the conditioning in place for this. But I am chalking it up to another casualty of 2020 when everything is disrupted and nothing goes as planned. But what did you all think? What were your reactions to the news, your opinion, how this has been handled? 
I'm really curious, and my email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and just aflobsessed on Twitter. So there were two remaining games from last weekend that I didn't address because I hadn't seen them yet. For the Suns versus the Crows, which actually played on FS1 here, the Suns were coming off their win last week and ready to take on the Crows, I felt, who they've never beaten in their history. And Alex Sexton, who's been with Gold Coast since 2012, and Ben King, along with our fave Matt Rowell, had alternating highlights. And Adelaide was scoreless in the first quarter, so not a great start. And I can't help but think rebuild when I think of that club, but still some effort or pressure. I mean, I still expect you to bring it. You know, it's still a game and I never want to feel like it's a DOA situation where you're like dead on arrival, but they just appear to be lost and lacking desire. But the Suns, on the other hand, were on the attack and the Crows kind of crawled along in the final quarter, but Gold Coast won by 53 points which was a historical moment. And I'm really happy for them as they keep building those stats for the club. And I loved Stu Do, their coach, filming the team, singing the theme song afterwards, just like a proud dad. And as for the game that wasn't meant to be, Bombers versus Demons, that was meant to be on ESPN2 here. The lead up to the weekend just felt like too many bombs and not enough bombers. And it felt a little bit like a three strikes in your out game. Number one, Heppel sustained a friendly fire fracture at practice and needed immediate surgery. Number two, Fantasia was originally named to the squad, but then he didn't pass the fitness test. And number three, just that biggest bomb of all, which was the positive test that came back for a player, which ultimately postponed the game. And I know there was a lot of talk about why not make that game up on Wednesday, but the D's had actually played a full scratch match on Sunday, so I'm sure they were like, no can do. And for the last game, the Dockers versus the Power, which was also on FS1 here, it was Jesse Hogan's first game in a year back for Frio, so his return was very much anticipated. And Collier got a goal right away, so it was all, okay, Frio, let's go, and especially great for him. And then Powell Pepper answered from Port, so it was a really good start, and the scores were level in the first quarter. And Taberna from Frio and Westhoff and Dixon from Port were highlights throughout with goals. But then it started pouring in the second quarter and Port slowly started widening the gap in the scores. And then Xavier Dersma went down with a hamstring injury for Port. And he's been really exciting to kind of watch. And then Fife took a thrilling pack mark in the last quarter. So that was another moment for Frio. And here's my weekly shout out to Nat Fife for holding it down for his team and trying his best to keep it moving. But yeah, ultimately, they lost to Port by 29 points. And right now, Port Adelaide is on top of the ladder undefeated. So that's a wrap on the games. And really, there's so much to go over about the round overall beyond the on-field performances. So we'll move on to my breakdowns of the rounds, pure class, hard pass, and just trash. And pure class is for everything that was outstanding about the round. Hard pass because there's some things that we can bypass from the round or just leave behind. And just trash is anything that just belongs in the bin and we never have to address it again. So for pure class, my top five. On top of footy discussion, you guys know I love to celebrate all of the milestones in the game. Number one, congrats to the athletes who have hit a game milestone. And it's especially sad because they don't really get to celebrate it all out with the fans and the members. 
So here's a listing and please tell me if I'm missing anyone from your club for the players that are celebrating their 100th game this round. Harris Andrews at Brisbane, Jack Martin at Carlton, Braden Maynard at Collingwood, and Trav Collier at Frio, who I mentioned earlier with his opening goal. And Grant Burchell at Brisbane played his 250th game. So his current coach, Chris Fagan, said 16,000 people have played AFL-VFL footy since it started 124 years ago. He's the 246th guy to play 250 games. 1.5% get to there. That's elite. And if you do the calculations between how many games there are per season and how many years you have to play to get to a milestone like that and factor in different things like injuries, recovery time, bye weeks, it's a pretty big deal. So congrats to all the players that were named. And number two for Pierre Class, Eddie Betts. He was on AFL 360 Tuesday night talking about his personal experience with discrimination, racial profiling, and abuse throughout his career with the AFL. So if you haven't seen this, you should check it out. Eddie Betts is just always Pierre Class. <laughs> And number three, Matt Rowell, just another resident on the list for everything he brings to the game. Such an exciting player to watch. And my personal little bit of advice for him, not that I feel that he necessarily needs it, but if you had the choice to go to another club or stay at a new one, I've always felt follow your own path like a new club and blaze a trail. Instead of competing with history and lots of other storied athletes, write your own history and establish it for the new club. I know even up until now, he's going to go down forever as a standout at Gold Coast. And number four for pure class, Pat McAfee and his Collingwood kit. I'm sure you've all been watching Pat McAfee's AFL journey, but he nominated Collingwood after talking with Mason Cox about the sport, and he received his honorary kit from the club this week. I loved seeing the arrival of that on social media and kind of his version of like an unboxing, but that also aired as a commercial during the actual game where he did like a photo shoot in the uniform and kind of did some moves. And now he periodically just wears the tops while he's doing his show. So of course, I'm going to love an American who embraces this sport with his level of enthusiasm. And number five, Gil Griffin, another fave. For anyone that doesn't know, he's an American author who wrote Jumping at the Chance, From the Court to the Field, How NBA Hopefuls Are Changing Australian Rules Football. That's a great book for anyone that loves footy or is interested in the American perspective, but also what it takes to break into footy at the professional level. And he follows the personal journeys of Americans who go to the other side of the world in search of their dreams of glory. And the foreword is written by none other than my favorite Martin Flanagan, who we talked about previously in The Mighty West. So Eddie McGuire has a radio show weekly here on Sirius XM and Gil will be on it tonight. It's funny, I was going to talk about the radio show, but it's even more exciting that someone I care about will be guesting. So that's channel 211 for Americans from 6 to 7 p.m. And Gil talks with BT and Nick Revolt too. And hopefully there will be a link to pass on so you can all listen outside of the U.S. too. And as for hard pass, just the COVID testing results and everything that kind of encompassed that. And Radaglia's punch out of his teammate's goal, which I mentioned last time, we can just bypass those. As for just trash this round, okay, two words, Sam Newman. 
Typically, I'm not disparaging of people and I'm not a hater, but I was totally prepared to just ask the rhetorical question of why Channel 9 and the media keeps giving him a megaphone. He just seems to be the epitome of tone deaf and is an actual racist with views that he keeps espousing during Black Lives Matter and kind of the world news that's happening at the moment. I get that ratings are everything, and he might be the equivalent of a person who is so controversial they almost serve as live clickbait, but he is no longer at Channel 9, and I'd just like to bin it. So what are your pure class, hard pass, and just trash picks for the round? I'm so curious. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to share your thoughts. And now on to projections for round four. So the first game will have happened by the time I release this, so hopefully I was right off the bat. (laughs) Six out of the nine games will be broadcast here in the U.S., so I'm really, really excited about that. So for Swans versus Bulldogs, I'm going to side with the Bulldogs here, but really it could go either way. I'm just kind of looking at when both teams are at their peak and when they're playing at their best, so I'm going to have to go with the Bulldogs there. For the Giants versus the Pies game, I'm going to bat Collingwood here. And for Port versus Eagles, I think that should be an interesting game, but I'm going to go with Port here. And the St. Kilda versus Richmond game also could go either way. Just based on what I've been seeing in terms of performance, I'm going to back St. Kilda here. And as for the Dons versus the Blues, Bombers. (laughs) Suns versus the Dockers, I'm absolutely backing the Suns. It's not looking good for Frio with no wins so far. And with the Lions versus the Crows, I'm pretty sure the Lions will roar over the Crows also, which means the Crows will be in trouble with no wins too. And for Melbourne versus Geelong, Geelong should take this. And Hawks versus North, again, either way, kind of looking at peak performances and when they're kind of at their optimal in terms of play, I'm going to say Hawks there. So we'll have to see if I got any of that right. (laughs) I'd love to know your predictions too. And again, I'll be joining you all on Twitter in a few hours. Just like last week, I need to go work on my super coach team and I'll meet you on the other side of the screen in a few. So that's it for me. Thanks for hanging, everyone. I'd love you forever if you'd leave a rating on iTunes or whichever platform you're using to listen. And if you'd send the pod along to a friend you think might like it too. So stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon.